Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. You are listening to Rotoviz Radio, a fantasy football podcast, with your host, Matthew Friedman. Hey everyone, I'm Matt Friedman, Man of the Oracle of the Action Network in Rotoviz. Welcome to a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Today we are talking about the New Orleans Saints. In between the NFL Combine and the draft, I'm interviewing beat reporters for every franchise. 32 teams, 32 beat writers, and 32 episodes. We're covering team needs, free agency, draft rumors, basically everything between now and day one of the draft. For this episode, I'm joined by Joel A. Erickson, a Saints beat writer for the New Orleans Advocate. In this episode, he talks with us about the future of Drew Brees with the Saints, how the offense's workload might be split among its skill position players, and what the team might look to do at pick number 27. Before we get to the guest, I'd like to remind you that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the premium NFL content on the site, and it supports the pod. A couple of things. Since this episode is being released the week of the draft, my analysis section to close the show is going to be short. And then also, this was recorded shortly before news came out that Willie Sneed had signed an offer sheet with the Ravens, so keep that in mind. All right, let's get to the guest.
Please welcome to the show Joel A. Erickson, a Saints beat writer for the New Orleans Advocate. You can follow him on Twitter at Joel A. Erickson. Joel, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, no problem. Good to be here. It's a fantastic time of year. The draft is just around the corner. Uh, but for the Saints, it seems as if everything has to do with Drew Brees. Uh, during the offseason, there was some speculation that he might not re-sign with the team. His contract situation uh, has been stabilized. Uh, but, of course, we are you know, conceivably nearing the end of the Drew Brees era in New Orleans. Uh, how good do you think he can be this upcoming season? Well, he's kind of in a, in a position with, with these, these late 30s, early 40s quarterbacks where the, if you look at the history of great quarterbacks, they're really good up until they're not. So the, it, it basically you, you expect Drew Brees to be uh, what he was last year unless the cliff comes at the end. And there, there's really no way to know. If you think about guys like Favre, Peyton Manning, uh, a lot of a lot of other guys. There's a lot of these guys that they had great seasons the year before uh, everything fell off the table. So it's it's really hard to get a, a clue on where it's going, especially with a guy like Breeze, who arm strength has never been a big deal for. So last year the team had more of a run heavy approach, which de-emphasized Breeze a little bit. He wasn't throwing the ball as much, but he was still. Uh, as efficient as he's always been, still very productive. But looking at the running backs, uh, in terms of the the split of the workload that we might see between Ingram and Kamara, uh, how do you see that uh, being broken down? And do you think the team will continue to use its run-heavy approach? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, there's a couple reasons for it. I mean, it's less that it takes some, some pressure. I mean, it does take pressure off a of breeze, but it also takes time off the clock and helps the defense. And we all know how, how much the Saints defense has had trouble in the past trying to keep up with uh, um, scoring. They, they, they're they able to, to put teams away a little bit better. Uh, you know, and, and the other thing is, uh, I think in terms of the, in, of the breakdown, I think we're going to see uh, roughly what we saw last year uh, where it's fairly even touches. Uh, Ingram may get a few more carries. Kamara may get a few more catches per game, but it's going to be fairly even touches and a fairly even split. So with the team focusing more on the running game, uh, I'm curious about what the future potentially could hold for the quarterback position there. So let's say conceivably, we might be jumping ahead of ourselves, but conceivably, let's say uh, in the first round, a quarterback, you know, maybe the fourth or fifth quarterback on the board slides down to the Saints at the first round. Do you think that they would consider drafting that guy? Yeah, no. Uh, they, if they if there's a guy that they really like and he falls that 27th pick, they'll take him. Um, and, and I think they've been in that position for a couple of years now. That, the other thing about the running game is if you are going to draft somebody uh, and you are going and they are he is eventually going to take over for Breeze. There's nothing better for a young quarterback than having a uh, very dangerous running game to take. Uh, pressure off of him and, and get people up in the box. So either way, it helps out going forward. They they would definitely take the quarterback. They've been looking for one for the last couple of years. It's just been a situation, and they might fall into this again, where the guy they like or or the guy they really love doesn't fall to them. Do you have any sense of the quarterback group if there is one that they really like? I mean, it seems like the out of the top five, the one who most realistically could fall to them would be Lamar Jackson. Is he someone they're interested in? 
It's hard to tell. Uh, Sean Payton sort of raved about his leadership qualities and, 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 and that kind of thing at his, at the owners meetings, but that's, that's not necessarily a, um, an evaluation of his, of his talent. He said the same things about Deshaun Watson last year, um, and his leadership ability and all that stuff. And then they didn't take him when they had the chance at 11. Um, so it's really hard to tell. Um, you know, he, he, Peyton has shown a little bit of interest in guys like Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen. Uh, it's the other thing that's hard to tell is everybody kind of expects the saints to go for another quarterback. That's just like drew Brees. Uh, but reality that the guys they've been interested in, uh, haven't really fit any, um, template, uh, over the last couple of years, they drafted Garrett Grayson, uh, but we know they were interested in Patrick Mahomes last year. He's not a very breeze-like quarterback at all in terms of his athletic ability and arm strength and all that stuff. Uh, they were interested in Jared Goff the year before that. All, all three of those quarterbacks don't necessarily fit. Uh, they don't necessarily fit any sort of template. So it's really hard to get a, a clue on what. Uh, the Sean Payton quarterback is because it really could be anything. It seems like that's interesting. Uh, well, whoever it is who uh, ends up being the quarterback long-term uh, it looks like that uh, potentially they could have a pretty intriguing group of wide receivers. Uh, Cameron Meredith was just added to the group. So there's Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn, Meredith and Willie Sneed, uh, you know, potentially Austin Carr would be in the mix. Uh, what are your thoughts on this wide receiving unit? Well, I think uh, you know Thomas, Thomas and Ginn um, are, are sort of the entrenched, established players. Thomas is, you know, was a Pro Bowler and has become um, really the most productive in terms of numbers receiver that uh, wide receiver that Drew Brees has ever had. Um, Ted Ginn is fantastic for the Saints' offense. They do a good job of getting him the ball, not just on deep balls, but also across the middle. It really it's behind them that there's questions. Cameron Meredith, if he's if his knee is healthy, uh, has real potential in this offense because they've always used that bigger slot receiver, and he he can definitely be that guy. Sneed's a wild card. You don't necessarily know if you're getting the Willie Sneed of of his first two years in New Orleans. And man, this receiving group looks really good. If you're getting the one of last year, then they probably need to add somebody, and I would expect them to to add somebody in the draft um, at some at some point. Uh, just to get another body in there because they do have some some question marks with with what happened with Snead last year and and just um, Meredith's health coming back. So looking at tight end, there's Ben Watson, Josh Hill, Kobe Fleener. Uh, those options don't seem great, but tight end has historically been an important position for Drew Brees. Do you think the team will be looking to add a tight end in the draft? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think bringing in Ben Watson, uh, a guy who had 74 catches for the Saints in his, in his only year without Jimmy Graham here, uh, probably solidifies that. He had more catches and yards last year than their entire tight end group. Um, and, and although he's he's up there in age, he clearly understands Breeze, um, clearly has something left after catching 61 passes for the Ravens last year. But I think he's more of a guy that you bring in so that if there's a tight end of the spot you like in the draft, you have Watson, um, and the rookie doesn't necessarily have to be the guy right away. Um, but they're, they'll definitely, they definitely need a long-term option there. Fleener has not panned out um, in, in the way that they needed him to. And, and so uh, I think tight end is definitely still a possibility. But the thing that adding Watson does is what the Saints try to do with all of their positions – 
that they try to add people in free agency so they don't feel like they have to take any certain position at any pick. Let's look at the offensive line. It was very strong last year, but left guard Andrews Pete hasn't really lived up to his draft position, and center Max Unger is aging. Do you think they will look to invest in the offensive line through the draft? Well, Pete actually was very good last year. Pete Pete might have been um, Pete might, Pete was right up there as far as their most their most valuable lineman. He took a big step forward because he, he was able to center in in that left guard position. They'll definitely, I think they'll definitely add somebody on the offensive line. They need a younger player. They lost, they lost their depth, really, is what they lost in the offseason. Tackle Zach Street retired, and Senio Calamete, who could play any position on the line, uh, he went to Houston to be a starter. So you're looking at guys who are versatile, um, center. If you can find somebody who can play center and guard, uh, even if it's even if it's a high pick, that's probably a good pick given Unger's age. Uh, but they, they'll continue to invest in the offensive line. The Saints, uh, sort of under the radar as far as the national audience, have have actually invested a ton in the offensive line, uh, both from a money and draft pick standpoint in recent years. And that's that's why the that's part of the reason the running game has has been on the upswing the last couple of years. On defense, specifically in the front seven. Where is the team looking to improve or add players? I think I think any and all. I think it's edge rush is a possibility, uh, defensive tackle is a possibility, linebacker is a possibility. Some of these positions, all, all these positions, they have players there. They have they have guys who you know they've got Cam Jordan and then they've got a group uh, of guys. It's Trey Hendrickson and Alex Okafor. If Okafor comes back and plays the way he did last year, they really don't need another starting defensive end. But we also know from watching the Philadelphia Eagles and, and lots of other teams, there's there's no limit to how many pass rushers you can bring in. Uh, we know they tried to get in get some big time players, a defensive tackle in free agency. So I, I think that's a possibility at 27 if the right player drops and they have the right grade linebacker they added to Mario Davis they've got a ton of veterans there but you know what they'll probably add another one if they if they feel like the grade fits that that's the thing about the Saints they they are not afraid to draft somebody at a position that looks like it's full uh they did it last year with Ryan Ramchick they did it with Andrews Pete when he when they drafted him in 2015 and so and the other thing is with a lot of these front seven positions they have guys who are who are solid starters, but I don't think that precludes them going after somebody that they think can upgrade, uh, not just a starting lineup, but then, you know, if you knock somebody out of the starting lineup, then you upgrade the depth. Looking at the secondary, for a few years it was, you know, probably more of a liability than an asset, but last year it really uh, became a big asset. Marshawn Lattimore was great as a rookie. King Crawley was strong in his second season. The team has added Patrick Robinson, who was great last year as a slot corner. And then uh, safety Kirk Coleman has also been brought in. Is this secondary pretty much set? It seems that way. But, it's again, this is another one. We know they've been talking to cornerbacks. I think they could probably add one. Um, I think you could probably even add two. Uh, and just not, not necessarily both high in the draft. But I think I think there's some I, I think there's some possibility there. You know, PJ Williams is is a solid backup on the outside. I'm gonna guess they probably don't they probably don't want Patrick Robinson to play outside. I'm guessing he was he was signed to play in the slot. So, you know, if you can get another outside corner there in case something happens to Lattimore, 
or Crawley, I think you definitely do that. We know they've talked to some of the the guys who are sort of in that uh, late first round discussion as far as the cornerback position. Um, same thing with safety. I mean, Kirk Coleman's a signing, but he's 29. Last year they had uh, five safeties on the on the 53 man roster. Right now it looks like there's just four, and Chris Banjo is really a uh, more of a special teamer. So I could see them adding somebody there. Um, it's another situation where you're you're trying to make sure that you have just enormous amounts of depth because this team really understands what it's like over the last couple of years to go into a season with a plan and then have injuries just crush that plan. Um, they've had it happen at cornerback. They've had it happen at linebacker. They've had it happen at safety where just the entire position is decimated over the course of the year. And you get into a, you get into a position where people are playing that you'd really rather not. So the team picks 27th. It doesn't have a second rounder. What is the team looking to do with the pick? And do you think that the Saints really might be looking to trade down a little bit, maybe to pick up another day two pick? Well, it's always hard to predict that the Saints, uh, of all people, will trade down because it's just not been their history. They've almost always moved up. Um, That being said, I think that this might be, um, this 27th pick, where the roster is right now, this might be a chance where they might actually move down for it. I would expect them. For, I would expect them definitely on the last day. I have six picks on the last day of the draft. I would expect them to move up several times. Um, they they always like to do that anyway, even when they don't have any. Um, but I expect them to use some of those picks to move up on the last day of the draft. And, and really, if they like a player, there's there's not the lack of a second round pick hurts. But this is a team that's always been creative in terms of moving up. Last year, they traded this year's second rounder to get Alvin Kamara. Uh, they, they'll, they'll dip into their future picks if they really feel like there's a guy there uh, that they want to move up. That's kind of how the Saints have always been. The Saints have been more of a, uh, instead, of go, instead of trying to go volume with their picks, they're more likely to go up and get somebody that they believe in. And, and I don't necessarily, they don't have as much ammo for this in terms of moving up. but. I don't necessarily think that once they're in there and sitting there and looking at the board, uh, it's going to be hard for them if they feel like there's a guy within range to uh, to not move up again. Are there particular players that the team might target on day two or in the middle rounds, uh, guys who are standing out to you as maybe kind of quote-unquote Saints type of players? Well, I think any cornerback that has some size, that they, they like length. Um, uh, they, they really like ball skills. So any cornerback that's got uh, uh, a lot of interceptions, uh, the, the current that's, that's been a big thing with the current um, the current uh, thing. And I think uh, I think you're also probably looking at um, you know in terms of tight end, you're looking at a receiving tight end. Um, it, it's it's really more it really comes down more towards you know what their grades are going to be. The Saints. We don't we don't necessarily know right now. The hard thing to read is that, you know they they have all these visits, but they just you know they've met with everybody at this point. Um, but you're, the the Saints the last couple of years have been trying to draft people who's um, who end up falling to a position they didn't think would be there. So I think that's what's going to happen is is guys that they didn't think would fall that far. That's who they'll pick. All right, this has been a lot of fun. One final question. Before last year's 11-5 and campaign, there were some rumblings that Sean Payton might be looking to leave the Saints. Uh, 
It seems as if his job is very secure, but what do you think will determine whether and when he decides ultimately to leave the Saints? Well, I, I think with this current, I think that they, the big thing is, I think that when he, when people were talking about him leaving, uh, it was a team that felt like it was still grinding its gears and trying to rebuild. And now I've, the roster feels like it's at a point where he's got a team now uh, that he can see through for a while. And I, I would expect he, he had his chances um, to leave when it was when it was rough, and I think the the thing is, if if they're if they're in the mix, if they're competing, I don't think he's leaving here. I think after uh, you know at, you know he's been here twelve, thirteen years now. I think at this point, it, you know he he's he's set on it, and they've gotten what they what they wanted. They they've kind of rebuilt the roster now. And they feel like they've got a window to go for. So I, I don't think we're going to be in that position uh, for a while. Because the only thing I can see that kills this season is if Breeze goes down. And if Breeze goes down, that's not a situation where you're going, man, I don't know if we're set up. It's just we had a quarterback injury. So I, I would I would expect Sean Payton to be here um, as long as this team looks like it's got a shot at it. All right, Joel, this was great. Uh, thanks for your insight, and we hope to talk with you again as we get closer to the season. Thank you. No problem. We just finished speaking with Joel A. Erickson, a Saints beat writer for the New Orleans Advocate. We covered a lot. Here are some of my quick takeaways from our conversation. Uh, we started talking about Drew Brees. As a fantasy player, he quote-unquote disappointed last year, right? He wasn't a top three fantasy producer the way that he has been throughout his time with the Saints. But that had more to do with usage and volume than with anything else. Breeze was still just as efficient as he had been in the five previous seasons. For instance, if you look at his adjusted yards per attempt for the the five years before last year, and then his mark last year, very similar numbers, right? Uh, there was uncertainty in the offseason about what would happen with his contract situation and whether the team was willing to commit to him. Um, but that shouldn't really color the way that you view him entering this season. He's still one of the five best quarterbacks in the league. He's a future Hall of Famer. In fact, he might have some progression this year in terms of his usage. And even if he doesn't see the volume that he saw before last season, I think it's possible that he could still be just as efficient or close to as efficient um, because of a number of factors. Alvin Kamara is moving into his second season with the team. Mike Thomas is moving into his third year with the team and becoming, uh, I think, even more of an alpha receiver. Ted Ginn is entering his second season with the team. right? So another year with that system. And then... The return of Ben Watson, who has had success before in New Orleans as the number one tight end. And then the addition of Cam Meredith. Right Last year, the team got almost nothing out of Willie Sneed. Meredith really could be a big presence as a slot receiver in the middle of the field. So it's possible, even if Breeze doesn't see the volume that he's seen throughout his career, he could still be a very good fantasy and you know real quarterback for the Saints this upcoming season. So I like him. I think it's an opportunity to buy low 
right? Just based on where he is right now. I think you could buy him low in redraft leagues. I think you could probably buy him low in dynasty leagues. I think he has more than one good season left in him. So I, I think he is viable as a buy low in dynasty. Joel said that he expects the backfield work to be split uh, in a similar fashion to what we saw last year, especially you know after the Adrian Peterson trade to the Cardinals. So you have Ingram, you have Kamara. Both backs, in a way, can be used interchangeably as runners and receivers. Both of them have the, the dual threat skill set. But Kamara, obviously, will get more of the receptions, and Ingram will get more of the carries, and probably more of the goal line work, although that's not certain. Kamara had unreal efficiency last year. We shouldn't expect that this year, although we should probably expect him to get more of the work, um, and that might make up for any lost efficiency he has. Mark Ingram, uh, I like him. He was slow to start his career, but over the last four seasons, he's had almost 1,300 scrimmage yards and just over nine touchdowns per year. Over the last four years, he has really been one of the most productive running backs in the league. You know, all of that is good. The problem is that he turns 29 in December, and he's in the final year of his contract. So, I don't think that really means all that much for 2018, but for Dynasty, it's really important, right? He actually just recently switched agents. He is, it seems, kind of gearing up for the knowledge that there is going to be some sort of battle, right? Whether that's with the Saints or whether that's Ingram on the open market and he's going to need an agent who really negotiates for him. So he might return to the Saints in 2019, right? Uh, His agent might be able to get that deal done. It might have to be at a discount. But even if he returns to the Saints in 2019, he will likely be the second back behind Kamara at that point right? Uh, That will probably be part of what goes into bringing him back. He will have to know that he is at this point, second fiddle, and he's going to be, you know, kind of paid like the guy who isn't the lead back. Uh, And if he leaves via free agency, I mean, how often does it work for a running back who's about to turn 30 on a new team? That normally doesn't go all that well, right? Especially when his old team had a great offense. Right, he would be moving down, presumably. So I think this year might be your last good op. <coughs> Sorry about that. Your last good opportunity to sell on uh, on Melvin Gordon. What Melvin Gordon? Sorry, I'm Mark Ingram. I'm I'm all out of sorts to sell on Mark Ingram while he still has some value. Uh, and really, ideally, you would have been selling before this, but I think there will be a point. Uh, in the season where, you know, Ingram is doing kind of what he does. He has a string of 100-yard games and some touchdowns sprinkled in there, and you're able to find someone who is, you know, desperate at the running back position. I think this is the year to be looking to sell Mark Ingram. In terms of wide receivers, um, I really like this unit. Actually, let me rephrase that. I love this wide receiver unit. They can line up all over the field. Right, Thomas and Meredith can both play inside and outside. Meredith has specifically great size-adjusted agility that makes him well-suited to the slot, but he can play outside too. Right, He had success in his 2016 breakout with the Bears. He had success inside and outside, specifically 
when he wasn't being thrown to by Jay Cutler, you know, but if you, you know, some of his statistics are colored by that fact, but when you remove Cutler from the sample and then you look at what he did inside and outside, he was a stud all over the field. And so I think he adds uh, a lot of versatility to what the team can do, right? So they can put him in the slot and they can have Ginn on the outside as a field stretcher. They can put Meredith outside and put Thomas in the slot as kind of that big-bodied guy who can just dominate in the middle. Or Thomas and Ginn can both be outside and Meredith can do his thing in the middle of the field, right? There is a lot of scheme versatility with this unit. Um, and the idea also, you know, Meredith and Thomas outside and Ginn in the middle as a slot receiver who can stretch the field up the seam. There's so much that they can do with this wide receiver unit. Austin Carr is also a guy to keep an eye on, you know, they're in the background. Um, you know, if Meredith can't make it work in the middle of the field, you know, for whatever reason, maybe doesn't recover from the ACL the way that the team thought he would, uh, there's always the possibility that Austin Carr could step in and be a dynamic slot receiver in the middle of the field. So a lot of reasons to like the wide receivers. Uh, and I think, you know, they are another reason that we should be optimistic about Breeze for this season. And then Ben Watson, he could be a good bridge tight end. Uh, you know, if the team happens to draft a promising tight end in the middle uh, of the draft, Watson, he's old, right? Uh, but he's had success, not just in the league, but success with this team. Uh, Josh Hill, you know, I'm not expecting anything from him. Kobe Fleener, he might get cut, you know, so there's some fragility in this unit. Uh, if the team can draft a tight end, that would be ideal. Uh, in, in one iteration of the mock draft that I have at Fantasy Labs, I did have the team selecting a tight end in the first round. After the conversation, though, uh, that we just had, I don't know if it is quite as likely that they will do that. Uh, Joel, it seems, thinks that uh, if they grab a tight end, they would be likelier to do that in the middle rounds as opposed to round one or round two. Um, but, you know, there could be a promising guy who is there. Maybe they're not expecting him to be there. Um you know, around three or something like that, and they uh, they get value. Maybe they're able to trade down a little bit, pick up an extra an extra pick on day two, and they could use that on a tight end. There are some possibilities there. Uh, Joel and I touch on the offensive line. He was a little more bullish, I should say, on on uh, Andrews Pete at left guard than I was. Um, <clears throat> I think in comparison to what Pete had done at left tackle, what Pete did at left guard was better. It was adequate. I think um, left tackle is just such an important spot on the team. And when a guy performs poorly there, when uh, we can look at someone like uh, Eric Flowers uh, with the Giants and what he had done in previous seasons. But when a guy performs poorly there, it is magnified, right? Everyone can see that he is just being dominated. Whereas if a guy performs just like poorly or average, at left guard, you don't notice it quite as much, right? Pete had a 46.9 pro football focus grade last year at left guard. One of the worst grades in the league. Um, but because he was playing guard instead of tackle, no one really noticed it much. 
Plus, he was playing next to Max Unger at center, who had a, a 50 pro football focus grade. You know, so if he's, you know, playing guard, he's kind of hidden. And if he's playing next to another guy who's playing poorly, but, the, you know, it looks like as if they're playing at the same level, you know, maybe Pete doesn't look as bad in comparison. But, uh, you know, in the middle, that offensive line didn't have a lot going on for it. Uh, on the left side with Pete and then Max Unger at center. So if the team isn't looking at a tight end in the first round, and Joel doesn't think that it is, it would make a lot of sense for the team to draft an interior lineman for the offense. Uh, and that's what I have right now in the mock at Fantasy Labs. Um, right now, I have them taking center slash guard Billy Price from Ohio State. Um, you know, he has the capability to play in both spots. Uh, so right now, I think he could step in immediately. Um, you know, maybe they want to develop him a little bit and he can be the backup to both positions. Um, but there are other other ways that they could go. They could go with Frank Ragno from Arkansas, James Daniels uh, from Iowa. Both of them are centers, uh, but they could probably kick over to guard if needed. And then uh, your guys who are kind of quote-unquote pure guards, Isaiah Wynn, who could also probably double a little bit as tackle if needed, and then Will Hernandez, uh, one of those five will almost certainly be available at pick 27. Uh, probably one of the first three guys, uh, the guys who are centers as opposed to, to guards. Uh, but one of those guys will be available at pick 27. All of them could be justified picks in that draft range. Uh, of course, they also might choose to trade down. Uh, maybe, again, they could pick up a, a second rounder. Right? They traded away this year's second rounder last year in order to move up to get Alvin Kamara. And, uh, you know, in retrospect, that trade looks pretty good. Um, but, uh, you know, they they have the option, based on their, their need of interior offensive line and where players like that tend to be drafted and the depth in that area in this draft, right? They could make a pick at 27 or maybe they could trade down a little bit. That would be a pretty smart move. But as everything looks now, uh, it wouldn't be surprising to see them address the offensive line in the first round. And that's going to do it for the Saints-focused special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Be sure to check out the episodes for all the other teams on Rotoviz in the podcast feed. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt at the Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rotoviz podcast. Special thanks to Hassan Rahim, the producer for this episode, and to Colin Kelly, the assistant executive producer for the podcast channel. Please review the show on iTunes under the Road of His Radio feed. Contact us via email, roadofhisradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Road of His Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Road of His at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, roadofhis.com slash podcast. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. They call you the Grill Master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.